uh, for, his, for his word. That was Proverbs 18, verse uh, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. There is safety in the Lord Jesus, and we can run to him, and we too can be safe in and through uh, the Lord Jesus. When I was in college, um, on I think it was Friday nights or Saturday nights, uh, there was a church in the city center, it was actually uh, Calvary Cork, and uh, they would outreach on, I think it was Friday nights, they would do tea and coffee and uh, tell people about the Lord. That was the goal. We'll do tea and coffee here, and we'll tell people about the Lord Jesus. So I was like, you know, get me in on that. I want some of that. And, um, you know, it's amazing the outreach that the, that the churches in the city center do, and we need to pray for them. We need to pray for Calvary Cork. We need to pray for Cork Church. We need to pray for, for Cork Baptist Church. John Nixon is still out there handing out tracts and leaflets, and we need to pray as people witness. And I remember one night when I was out with uh, Calvary Cork um, witnessing and telling people about Jesus, bumped into one man, and you'd meet all sorts of people, all types, you know, who, you know, some who would give out to you and shout at you, some who didn't want to hear what you were saying, some who were delighted to hear what you were saying, delighted to get a cup of tea and coffee and hear what you were saying. But there was one man, he, um, he quoted to me Psalm 46, uh, verse 10, uh, be still and know that I am God. And I thought to myself, well, praise God, it's not often that you get a conversation with a guy in the city center, and he comes and he tells me, be still and know that I am God. And I thought, this is great, until he said it to me again, and where he pointed his finger. He went like this, be still and know that I am God. And then he repeated it again, be still and know that I am God. And his belief, as he showed, told me his theology, his belief is that actually we're all gods in a way. And we need to just be still in and of ourselves and realize that we are all gods in one sense. Be still and know that I am God. I told him, man, <laughs> if you're God, we're in trouble. <laughs> and that was his theology. And what it was summed up for me as I looked at that response and as I looked at that guy, what, what I think he was showing was pride. Be still and know that I am God. He actually believed that if he could be quiet in and within himself, he could realize and we could all realize that we are little gods and that in essence is pride. And people mightn't articulate what this man said, you know, be still and know that I am God. But many of us actually believe that. That we are the kings in our lives. That we are God in our life. That we rule in our life. And the essence of that is pride. That's what that is. Pride. And that's our topic for this morning that we're going to look at in Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about pride. And what Proverbs wants to do is show us what pride is so that all of us can avoid it and God would ultimately get the glory that we wouldn't see ourselves as God, that we wouldn't see ourselves as king, but we would see Him as God and King. And so if we are to look at what pride is, 
We need to look at what a prideful person will look like. And Proverbs describes that throughout the Proverbs, what a prideful person looks looks like. The first thing I want you to see about a proud person is this. The proud person is a scoffer. Turn to Proverbs 21, verse 24. Proverbs 21, verse 24. It says this, Proverbs 21, verse 24. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. If you want to know the name of an arrogant, prideful person, Proverbs 21, verse 24 says, his name is a scoffer. This is who he is. He is a scoffer. And in Proverbs, what what Proverbs does is it lays out for us not only topics that we can talk about, which we have been doing, you know, the plans that we make, friendship, those types of things, anger. Not only does it lay out topics for us, but it also lays out for us certain types of character, certain types of character that we do not want to be. So one type of character is the fool. The fool is someone we do not want to be. The fool does not listen to wisdom, does not hear wisdom, does not want to hear any instruction. That's the fool. Then there is the simple. We don't want to be the simple person. The simple person um, isn't simple in terms of his intellect, but it's simple in terms of his attitude. He He is gullible to the things that are against the Lord. That is the simple person. And then you have the sluggard that's described. He is the lazy person. The person who doesn't want to work for a living. But the fourth person, the Proverbs indicates, is the scoffer. This is the person that we do not want to be, the scoffer. Now, as I told you before, the scoffer, you kind of can hear it almost in the sound of the word. Scoffing is the person who mocks and ridicules. But ultimately, who the scoffer is, is the one who has deep-seated pride. This is who the scoffer is. The scoffer ultimately is a proud person. He is arrogant, like Proverbs 21, 24 says. And the other characteristic of the scoffer is this. You cannot teach the scoffer anything. The scoffer is not teachable. In his pride, in her pride, the scoffer knows it all. So turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7, it says this, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. And then look at verse 8, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. You can't correct a scoffer. Because of his pride, he will hate you. He will bite back at you, but the wise person will say, correct me, instruct me, give me instruction. And there's other verses that talk about this. Proverbs 13 verse 1 says, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 15 verse 12 says, A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. You cannot teach a scoffer. 
he or she is not a teachable person. They're not willing to learn. They're not willing to be corrected. They're not willing to be instructed. Remember when we were in the States uh, studying theology, I had um, a professor who was quite eccentric, very eccentric actually. He used to wear like luminous, bright um, shirts, different colors, because he felt that in the colors that I'm wearing, the colors that I wear will influence the way I teach with people. So he felt like red would communicate something, and yellow would communicate something, and green would communicate something. All it communicated for me was that he was a bad dresser, but for him, he was trying to communicate something in the colors that he wear. Eccentric, yes. And he, he went on this, um, you know, bow tie journey as well. He had certain bow ties for certain days. He was very, very eccentric. But I remember in the corridor in our college, I met with him. And I was walking down the corridor one day, I met with him. And he stood with me and he said, hi, Shane. And he gave this really big smile as he stood with me. Really big smile. And as he gave the really big smile, he had this big black thing stuck in his teeth. And he was smiling and he was saying, Shane, how are you? Like, like smiling, how's it going? And then I have that choice to make. You know, as you look at his teeth, do I say something? Do I actually communicate something to him or do I just ignore it? And we all have those moments, don't we, where you see someone, something awkward has happened or whatever and you wonder, should I say it or shouldn't I say it? You're, you're not too sure whether you should step in. I think the thing is, always to take the person aside quietly and say something. It's a, it's a good and kind thing to do. But this guy is my eccentric professor. I don't know what I'll do. And I say, look, I'll just bite the bullet. I'll just tell him he is something in his teeth. And so I said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, you've just some food in your teeth. You know, he's going to the lecture. You've some food in your teeth. And he took it out and he smiled and he said, that's exactly right. A true friend will tell you when there's something wrong with you. See, this teacher, he was eccentric, but he was brilliant. He was always trying to teach people something. And he went back into the class and he told us all, listen, I was walking around all day with something in my teeth and nobody was saying it. Nobody told me that I had something in my teeth. And he said, but the true friend, the true friend will point out what is wrong. And for the scoffer, the proud person, they walk around in their life with something in their teeth. And it is our job to tell people to point this out, and yet if you do that with a proud person, they will hate you for it. I don't have anything in my teeth. I brush my teeth all day. I know my teeth are clean. You can't correct me. You can't tell me what to do. That's the scoffer. But the wise person will say, Thank you so much for pointing that out. I really needed to hear that. But the scoffer will say, leave me alone. I don't want to hear that. They're not teachable. Which means the scoffer will hate the book of Proverbs. Why? Because the book of Proverbs says, Hear my son, listen to my instruction, treasure up all my teachings as though you have jewels and gold. Treasure all of that up. Listen, my son. Proverbs will say, I don't need to listen. The, pro- the scoffer will say, I don't need to listen to any of your Proverbs. I don't need to hear any of your wisdom. I know how to live my life. That's the proud person. They are a scoffer. 
And because of this scoffing, because of their pride, they ultimately will think that they are the wisest person in the room. They will think that they have all knowledge that they need to have and they do not need to be corrected. Turn to Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Proverbs 26, verse 12. It says this. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do you see a man who thinks, I have got it all together? There is more hope for a fool than him. It is my prayer for this church that we would be a people who won't say, I have got it all together, that we will be a people who say, I don't have it all together, and I'm trusting in Him. And this would, place would be a place where it's okay actually not to be okay. That it's okay to come in here and realize, I have stuff I'm dealing with. The Lord is working on stuff. I don't have everything all under control. And I know when I am being proud in my life, it's when I'm trying to keep up appearances and make everything look good and pretty and beautiful. When the reality is, it's not always that way. The the proud person will be wise in their own eyes. They have a false view of self, a wrong image of self. I want you to think for a second as we think of that image of ourselves. Think of like a, a, a fun fair or like a, a theme park or, or Funderland. Think, think, of, think of Funderland, you know, the expensive place and the rides kill you and they're, they're annoying and so and all that. If you think of Funderland, you go in there. And as a kid, if you go into Funderland, you, the first thing you do is you, so you size up all of, the, all of the rides. And you think to yourself, which, which one am I going to go on? And, and you decide, you know, can I go on this one? Can I go on that one? And then there's this cardboard man or, or woman that stops you because you're not quite the right height. But there's some rides that everybody can go on. There's some rides that everybody is the right height for. And that ride is, I don't quite know the name of it, but it's like the, the fun house. You know, when you, you walk onto it and it has like the shaky bridge or it has something that you have to climb up and you go through all these obstacles in the fun house. But one thing that they have in in pretty much all of those fun houses are those mirrors. You know those mirrors, when you look at them and it completely changes the shape of your body, kind of distorts you as you look at it? Every time you look at it, it kind of moves your your head and moves your eye to the side or or makes your your legs really small or makes your body really big or something like that. Those, those, Those mirrors that they have. Paul Tripp tells us, that our self-view is a lot like looking at those funfair mirrors. We don't have a clue what we actually look like. And every time we look at the mirror in our life, we have a distorted image of ourselves. And so that distorted image of ourselves, that can go one of two ways. That distorted image of self can be overly negative, when you look at, at this, this kind of funfair mirror, you, you look at your own life and it can be overly negative that you might say to yourself every time you look at yourself that you are worthless, that you don't mean anything, 
that you, are, that you are not precious in God's sight, and that is a wrong view of self because the Bible tells us that we are made in the image of God, perfectly and wonderfully made in His image, and so that negative image is not true. But when the scoffer looks at the mirror, oh, the scoffer looks at the mirror and says, wow, I've got it all together. It's the overly positive view of self. I have, no one can correct me. I look amazing. Everything's right in my life. And the scoffer may not be proud in all areas of life, but the scoffer usually is proud in some areas of their life. Usually, the area that you will be most proud in is the area that you think you're most competent in. So, if you think, I'm a very organized person, I am so organized, no one can beat my organization, and then if someone comes to you and tells you, listen, I think you should do it a different way, you're going to say, no, you are wrong, I have got this sorted. That's the pride of the scoffer. It is the area that we feel like we excel in that nobody else can speak to. But often those are the areas that we do need correction in. And so the scoffer is wise in his own eyes. Maybe not in all of his life, but in a lot of areas of his life. Wise in his own eyes. And if you are wise in your own eyes, it is dangerous because what happens in that wisdom is that keeps you from trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Did you hear what it says there? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what it takes. I'm going to trust in Him. What's the opposite of that? Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own wisdom. Don't lean on your own knowledge. Don't think that you've got it all together because if you do think you've got it all together, that will affect how you trust in God with your life. The proud person is a scoffer, and the proud person is wise in their own eyes. They have a wrong view of themselves, and no one can tell them otherwise. And the problem with all of that is that it is a very, very dangerous thing to be a proud person. It is a very dangerous thing to be proud in certain areas of our lives. Why? Because the Lord hates pride. Turn to Proverbs 16, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. It is quite a sobering verse. Proverbs 16, verse 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, He will not go unpunished. It is a dangerous thing to be proud. It is a dangerous thing to be arrogant. Because the Lord says that if you are this way, it will not go unpunished. When you look at the Bible, it never works out well for those who are proud. 
for those leaders and for those empires who are proud, it never, ever works out well for them. You think of the Egyptian empire, and you think of Pharaoh. How well did it work out for Pharaoh to think he was king, to think he was ruler, to think he could lead God's people, to think he could always say no? How well did it work out for Pharaoh? It didn't work out well for him at all. Ten plagues still said no. After that, he's destroyed. Where's the Egyptian empire now? It's gone. What about the Babylonian empire and King Nebuchadnezzar? He actually made a gold statue, and after making the gold statue of himself, he said, come and worship me. Bow down to me as God. How did that work out for the Babylonian empire? Where are they at at the moment? Gone. Done. What about the Roman Empire? What about the great Roman Empire? And, and, and King Herod. You know, Acts, it talks in Acts about King Herod. And listen to what it says about what happened to him. Acts chapter 12, listen to what it says. It says this, On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes and took a seat upon his throne. Put on his robes, took a seat upon his throne, saying and communicating, I am king. And then he delivered a speech to all of them. Sat down with all his regalia, delivers a speech, and the people were shouting. In response to his speech, the people were shouting, this is the voice of God and not of man. Now at that moment, Herod should have said, not the voice of God. But when the people said, this is the voice of God and not of man, Herod stayed quiet, sat in his pride. And guess what happened? Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. How well did pride work out for Herod? Not well at all. It is a dangerous thing to be a proud person. It is a dangerous thing to engage in pride. And in our lives, you have the choice. And Proverbs presents to us a choice. You can choose pride or you can choose humility. There is destruction for the proud, but there is grace upon grace for the humble. And the idea behind that is which one will you choose? You've heard of the saying, haven't you? Pride before the fall. Where does pride before the fall come from? Proverbs. It's all through Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verse 12. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is prideful, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 29, verse 23, one's pride will bring him low, 
but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Pride before the fall. And you say to me, well, the fall doesn't ha- always happen to the pride, proud. Sometimes there are proud people in this world and they are very successful. Well, the Lord says, the proud will not go unpunished. You might be proud in this world and get away with it, but one day the proud scoffer will be punished. Pride will not go unpunished. And so the call for us as God's people is not to be the proud, but to be the humble. Over and over again, Proverbs' instruction to be humble is actually to tell us more and more not to be proud. In fact, pride is all over the place in Proverbs, but only five times is the humble and humility referred to. So in other words, to get us to be humble, what does it do? It te- Proverbs tells us what pride looks like and tells us of the consequences of pride and tells us you don't want that. That's primarily what Proverbs does. But when Proverbs talks about humility, it is quite significant. Because with humility is ultimately the fear of the Lord. If you are going to be a humble person, where does it start? The fear of the Lord. If you are going to be a wise person, where does it begin? The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 15:33 says, "The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor." Proverbs 22, verse four says, "The reward of humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life." Let me say that again. Proverbs 22 verse four: "The reward for humility." And fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Do you see what it does? It connects the fear of the Lord with a humble life. The most humbling thing is to bow your life before the Lord and say, You are king, not me. Your Lord, not me. Your God, not me. That is the life of the humble person. Someone once called it cosmic plagiarism that we're guilty of. You know what plagiarism is? You know, when I was uh, in CIT or MTU, you know, they, they sat us down and said, don't copy or, and paste, right? And in first year, that's what all of the lads were doing, like copying and paste. They didn't have the technology to figure out, you know, what was going on. And some people were caught and whatever. They were like, don't copy and paste. And then I went over to the States. And there was this idea that when I went over to the States, an American who knew the Irish way sat me down and says, when they say don't copy and paste over there, they really mean it. You won't get away with it over there. So over there, you'll get kicked out of your course if you're guilty of plagiarism. It's a very, very serious thing. You have to cite people in your paper. If you're going to quote them, if you're going to say anything of them, you must cite people. You must give them the credit. Well, Ron Ryder, he said, 
Here's what we as human beings are guilty of. We're guilty of cosmic plagiarism. What he means by that is this. We breathe and we give ourselves the glory. We eat and we give ourselves the glory. We work and we give ourselves the glory. We see the mountains and the trees and we give the trees the glory. We give the mountains the glory. We give the sun the glory. But we never give God the Creator any credit. No credit at all. We don't cite Him. We don't footnote Him. We don't put Him in the bibliography. He doesn't get in anywhere in the paper of our life. It's cosmic plagiarism. The proud person will say, I did it all. Look how great man is. Look at all we've achieved. But the humble person will say, no. Look how great God is. Look at all God has done in our lives. And so if we are going to be humble people before the Lord, I'm going to suggest to us a few ways toward humility that I think we should seek to embrace. The first way toward humility would be this, I think, for us and for our lives. Always remember, today, don't go away from this place without remembering that the Lord hates pride. And that pride will not go unpunished. And one of the most humble things you can do this morning is trust your life over to the Lord Jesus. Bow before Him. Say to Him once for all, You are King and not me. You are Lord and not me. I am going to follow You. And this morning you could do that. This morning you could make that decision. Today, as we take of the Lord's table, as we sit down, And as we bow our heads, to bow your head is a humble thing before the Lord. And to say, you are the ruler, you are the king. Walk away from this place and in humility, remember, he will not let the proud go unpunished. But if you confess your sin, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive you your sin of pride. And all of it will be nailed to the cross of the Lord Jesus. Remember, the Lord hates pride. The second way to humility would be this. Stay teachable. Stay teachable. Always be ready to learn. We're always walking around with something on our teeth. Right? None of us have it all together. Right? So that means sometime in your life, somebody's going to have to come to you and correct you. And what you need to remember in that is usually the area that I think I'm most competent in is probably the area I'm most proud in. Always be ready to receive correction. Even, you see, I've received correction in my life and all of us have received correction in our lives and sometimes it comes from a bad place. Say the person is, is trying to just cut you down. They're correcting you, they're just trying to cut you down. Well, there's always something that we can learn. We can pray and ask the Lord, is this right? And that would be a humble attitude for us. Always stay teachable. The third thing I would suggest on a way to humility is this. 
outdo one another in showing honor. I read to you last week the most countercultural verse in the Bible, Romans 12, verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Honor each other. When you see someone exercising their gifts, honor them in that. Praise the Lord for them that they're, they're doing that. But not only exercising their gifts, also when you see people showing the character of God in their life, maybe you could honor them. You could say something like, you know, I have seen you go through a lot of difficult times in your life, and yet I've noticed you walk through your life with a really humble and gracious attitude. I just want you to know that I see it and I praise God for it. That would be a way to honor someone. You know, I I have noticed the way you seek to parent your children. You bring them out, you correct them, it's difficult, you're tired, it's hard. But I just want you to know that I've seen that, and I praise God for you doing that, and I just want to encourage you. That would be a way to honor someone. And if we were to outdo one another in that, then you're just kind of looking for ways to honor and encourage each other. And what does that do? That takes the focus off you in pride and puts it on to what God is doing in others. Fourth, I would say to us, avoid cosmic plagiarism. In all of your life, always seek to give God all of the glory. Make sure He receives all of the praise for everything that is done in your life. Always seek to give Him honor and praise. Now let's say for a second that you are a gifted chef or cook. And someone says, you know what, thank you for that meal. That was so good. And you say, no, 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 all glory to God, praise be to God. No, not on me, all on Him. That's just weird. That's just weird. You're not, it, it's not necessarily telling us to do that. You know, they're saying thank you and you can just say thank you. You can just say thank you. I like doing that. I enjoy doing that. They're honoring you by saying that was really, really good. So how, in that sense, do we give honor and praise to the Lord? Well, there's an attitude of We wouldn't have this food if it weren't for Him. We wouldn't have this idea even of gathering as a meal. If you think of the theology of meals and fellowship in the Bible, it's right throughout the Scriptures. We wouldn't have it without Him. And so one of the ways you can give Him honor and glory while you enjoy spectacular food is to pray. Lord, thank you again for providing this meal for us. Lord, thank you for the hands that made it. Thank you for gifting people. You know, I am thankful for food. It's a great gift from the Lord. And we honor Him and we praise Him in that. You don't need to footnote absolutely everything. No, no, praise to Him. That can be false humility in a way. But it's a posture of life that says all glory to God. We wouldn't have it if it weren't for Him. The last way of humility I would say to you is this. The only way we will be humble 
is if we always look to the Lord Jesus. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Look to him, and that will instruct you how you can live the humble life before him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to be a humble people before you. There are so many areas in our life where we are not teachable, where we are proud, where we are guilty of cosmic plagiarism. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who give all honor and glory and praise to you throughout our lives, that you would receive that, the glory that is due your name. And so, Lord, we pray that we would remember that you hate pride and that we would be those who would confess our sins, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. In your precious name we pray.